All right. Well, we are in the, the new year. Uh, which means new year, new me. We're all starting all over uh, from scratch this year. It's what we like to do as a people, as a society. Uh, we see a new year. We see a great opportunity to get started on a new thing. There's no better time. How many of you know that the best time to join a gym is not uh, tomorrow, but on a Monday, right? you got to have a fresh beginning in order to start something new. And New Year's have always been that for our culture and our society. Anybody do a New Year's resolution this year by a show of hands? How many of you have already broken those resolutions. Put your hands down. It's everybody. Everybody. There's actually great statistics on this. The Pew Research Group did a study last year on resolutions that I loved. Uh, about half of Americans, 49% of Americans create New Year's resolutions was what they discovered from the survey. And according to that, 64% of them, 64% of them quit by the end of January. Uh, 23% of them were done by the first week. And so today's January 8th, which means that 23% of you who made resolutions have, reservation, have made, a quarter of you are done already. That's fantastic. 23% uh, were done by the first week of January. Ultimately, they discovered that only 9% of people stick with their resolutions through the end of the year. Uh, and in an unrelated story, they discovered that 9% of all people surveyed were liars. And so, as a people, we struggle to have real, lasting change. But maybe one of the reasons that we struggle is because of this mentality, the new year, the new me. Uh, we try to do things that are really difficult to become somebody that we've never been before. You've never physically exercised once in your entire life, and you decide that by the end of this year, you're going to compete in the actual Ironman competition, that you're going to swim 100 miles and ride your bike all the way to Alaska, and you're going to be the most physically fit person on the planet Earth, starting from right now, today, on your couch as you watch season five of Yellowstone. We, we make too big of a commitment off the front end. We decide we're going to be all new, change everything, start over from the very beginning, but that's not often what we need. We fail because we don't need to become someone entirely new. We just need to be renewed. We need a refresher. We need to restart our progress and to build uh, on the good things from years past. In this series, I want to talk about how we can be renewed in this year and keep going forward towards a better us. I'm going to spend time talking about how to be renewed in your mind, renewed in your body, your spirit, with your commitments uh, over the next few weeks. But today, I want to take a look at that 10,000 foot view and talk about how we can renew you. Uh, I want to look at a story in scripture of King David who became someone that he never wanted to be in 2 Samuel chapter 11. But before we begin, a quick refresher on who King David is. Around a thousand years before Jesus, Israel named its first king. God didn't want Israel to have a king. Israel said, we see everyone around us has a king. We want a king. And God says, well, if you have a king, all these bad things are going to happen to you. And they said, we don't care. Give us a king. So Jesus said, you go ahead and choose a king then. And they did what every high school has done uh, since, which is chose the prom king. They went out and looked for the most handsome guy around. And they were like, this guy will be a great king. Look at how tall he is. 
It's like a head taller than everybody else. He's going to be a great king. And so they made Saul the king, and Saul was, in fact, not a great king. He did some good things in the beginning, but as time went on, he became more self-absorbed, more selfish. He became more uh, obsessed with what people thought of him, and he became a worse and worse king to the point where God removed his anointing. God said, I'm no longer going to give you my anointing as king. I'm going to take it off of you and give it to someone else. And he found a teenage boy who was a shepherd named David. And he said that David was a man after his own heart. And so David became, he received the anointing to become king. David was selfless. He was brave. He was full of faith. Shortly after he's anointed to become king, he goes to find his brothers on the battlefield. David was anointed as a teenager. He did not become a king uh, for a decade and a half. It was a long time until he became king. He just had God's anointing on his life now. David goes and fights Goliath and gets noticed by Saul. He gets into his court. He becomes a general. And David's accomplishing all kinds of great things as a general uh, over Saul's armies. He's leading the armies of Israel by the end of it. And they're having so many military victories and all the people love David and all the men that he leads, they love following David because he's such a good leader. He cares for them well and he's got a great strategic mind. David is also sensitive. He plays the harp. He's a beautiful harp player and he plays the harp for Saul to help him calm down when he has fits of rage. And David is all over the government and doing all these great and good things until Saul becomes jealous, decides he wants David dead. So he pursues him across the desert and David flees and he runs. And during this time, David has the opportunity to kill Saul twice and he doesn't take it because he wants to honor Saul and honor God. I'm just telling you all of this so you understand that David has a very long track record of making good decisions, of being someone after God's heart, of having a strong character, of, of doing wonderful, wonderful things. 15 years after he's anointed, uh, David is anointed as king. He becomes king. Saul dies and he becomes king. Uh, and he does all these wonderful things as king. He brings the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. He prioritizes the people's worship of God. He keeps them holy. He doesn't let outside influences change them. He, he honors God as a king and with his life. He protects the people from their enemies around them. David does so many good things as the king for a long time. And then, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, David becomes complacent. Maybe you can understand this story at a, at a more modern level. Maybe you've done the right thing for a long time. You, you've had the good marriage, the relationship, you know, you've, you've performed well at work. You've, you've done everything that was, you've honored your leaders and your bosses and, and you've performed, you've given everything that you could. Maybe you, you spiritually, you've just, you've ticked all the boxes. You've gone to church, you've served on the team and you've done a lot of good things for a long time and things have been going well and, and everything's been turning up right and it's been great and it's been good. But the longer that things went well, the easier it became for you to become complacent. And maybe some complacency has leaked into your life. Maybe complacency over your character. Maybe complacency over things that you never considered looking at before, but now it just seems so easy. Maybe complacency has entered your life and your relationships. They were so healthy, so strong, so good, but they're there. And maybe you, you don't 
Spend as much time working on those relationships as you used to. Maybe complacency uh, has come into your workplace. You were a strong performer for many years and never got you anywhere. And so maybe you just don't really give as much as you once did. And maybe some complacency has entered your life. And where there is complacency, there is opportunity. And not the right kind of opportunity, but rather the wrong kind of opportunity. And that's what happened to David in 2 Samuel chapter 11. So let's look at what happens when David becomes complacent. Beginning in verse 1, In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. This is the big red flag of David's complacency. David was known as a warrior king. It was his, his military strategy and leadership that even, that even got him noticed by the people of Israel in the first place. It's very unusual for a king to stay home in this time of war. But he did because he was complacent. Everything had gone well enough for long enough that he didn't think anything of it. And so late one afternoon, after his nap, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. And as he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. From there, things get a lot worse. David has an affair with the woman he saw in the bath whose name was Bathsheba. It's awesome. And things even uh, get more dramatic than just an affair Bathsheba becomes pregnant and her husband comes home from war and David tries to get them together to mask it but the man's honorable and he doesn't even go sleep in his house. He sleeps outside the gates and so David feels that he has no choice as things begin to snowball and, and get out of his control. He feels like he has no choice because in order to remain the man of character and thought he was he had to really begin to hide this. And so David sends this man to the front lines where he knows he'll be killed. And he's killed. David marries Bathsheba. And he allows this complacency to grow and grow until he has a huge mess on his hands. Maybe your 2022 wasn't all that dramatic. But maybe you can recognize a couple areas of your life that got a little bit out of control. Maybe you can see some areas in your life that aren't exactly where you want them to be. They were on the right track, but then the track got derailed. David's friend and prophet of God at the time, Nathan, he came to David and he called him out for the mess that he had created. And David repents and he wants to renew himself. He wants a fresh start, a new year, new David. He's got to live with the consequences he created for a while like we all do, but he wants his future to be different. And that's an important note to make. And that is this, that just because God offers repentance and he offers forgiveness of your sins, it does not mean that your consequences are erased. You will have to live in the consequences of your actions. That is biblical. We see that throughout the Bible, that what you reap is what you will so, and that is true for David. David has to endure years of painful war and loss because of the decisions that he made. But on the other side of it, he is able to be someone completely renewed. He asks God for renewal and God answers his prayer of renewal. And he begins it by turning to God in prayer. And it's a heck of a prayer. The best place for us to look when we're ready to renew ourselves is this prayer of David, Psalm 51. 
And today I want to look through this prayer and pick out some practical steps so that you can renew you as we start this new year. And the first step is this. You just have to pray for renewal. Look at Psalm 51, verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins and wash me clean from my guilt and purify me from my sin. David wants a fresh start. And the place that he goes first is a place where all of us should go first. He doesn't go and talk to a, a team of advisors to figure out how he can get better or listen to what his friends have to say. David's first step after speaking to Nathan and repenting is to go to God in prayer. See, I just believe that prayer is powerful and that it changes things and that there's nothing that you can add to your life. There's not one single thing that you can add to your life today that will give you greater transformation and change than the power of prayer. The creator of all the heavens is listening to you and would respond to you in kind. And so David goes to God in prayer and begins to ask him for forgiveness, for cleansing, for renewal. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things you have not known. When we're living either in the guilt of our past or we're immobilized in our present or maybe we're just ready for a different future, God is waiting for us to call on him so that he can answer us and give us what we need to move forward. Paul says it this way, we don't lose hearts. Though our inner self is wasting away, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Paul spent a lot of time talking about how we spend too much value on our physical selves and not enough on our spiritual selves. This is why fasting is so important right now. Fasting isn't just about fasting. It's also about prayer. It's 21 days of prayer and fasting. You're going to feel a lot of physical need for food if you've never fasted before and you try to go 24 hours without it. Most of us don't go more than three hours without food with a little bitty snack in there somewhere just to take the edge off. I'm a big snacker. I snack. I, don't, I mean, I, it's probably my average time without food going into my body is maybe 90 minutes tops. And uh, you're going to start to feel the pains of not eating if you are fasting for the first time. But this is what Paul is helping us understand, that even though our outer selves are wasting away, this is, this is how we can see this. We can see this lived out, how important spiritual health is, how important it is for us to pray for renewal before we try to act on renewal because our outer selves are wasting away. That's happening right now. And when you fast, you can feel, you feel I'm wasting away. I'm not going to make it. That's me after four hours. I'm laying on a couch just trying to hide from everyone so I don't yell at anybody on accident. And, and, and we're wasting away. But our inner self, when we are pursuing God in prayer, pursuing renewal in prayer, fasting and seeking him, our inner self, is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction. And he's talking about the pain we go through in life. Is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. There is a list of things to do to be renewed. It's important. We talk about it. 
But the most important part is the where you begin. And where you begin needs to be in a position of prayer because the things that are unseen are the eternal things. It's not to say that a physical renewal, paying attention to your physical health, is not an important part of getting yourself to where you need to be. It is. But rather, Paul is making the point that the most important thing for us to do is pay attention to the spiritual. And the most important area for us to begin our renewal is in the spirit. So why we open our year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. Fast and pray and feed your spirit. Ask God to renew you beginning in that space in your spirit and he'll help you in every other area that you need renewal in this year. So David begins with this confession and begins in prayer. And maybe that's what you need to do as well. Or maybe a declaration of who you're going to be. Just go in God in prayer and start this process. And then the second thing is this. You have to recognize what needs to change. And you have to be specific about it. And it has to be measurable. It has to be attainable. Uh, David continues his prayer in verse 3. And he says, I recognize my rebellion. And it haunts me day and night. We can't be renewed in the new year if we're vague about it. Have you ever had a vague New Year's resolution? I'm going to eat better in 2023. What does that mean? You're going to eat better. You can eat better food. You were, you were eating, eating Chick-fil-A and you're going to upgrade yourself to Bojangles. What does it mean you're going to eat better? I'm here to make some controversial statements today. <laughs> what does it mean? A vague New Year's resolution is one that can't be measured. It's one that we can't really put a finger on. It sounds good to talk about it. You know what? A vague goal is the kind of thing you say when your Sunday school class goes around and asks what everyone's goal is for the semester. And you say, I just want to know Jesus better. I'm going to be a better Jesus this year. I'm going to read my Bible. And then you read your Bible when they say open to John chapter 3 and you've just read it and you've accomplished your goal for the year. A vague goal is a goal you will never achieve. If you want to actually experience renewal, you have to get specific with it. David calls out the specific root of his sin. I recognize my rebellion and he ruminates on it. It haunts me day and night. And if we want to have a renewal, we've got to have a desire that is measurable, that is specific, and that has clarity. If you want to be renewed, recognize what in you needs renewal, set a measurable goal and be clear about it. If what you need is spiritual new renewal, then define what that means. Define what you think spiritual renewal would look like in your life. Is it that you pray more or is it that prayer comes easier to you or both? And then how can you accomplish that goal? Is there a sin issue in the way that you need to specifically address? Maybe a sin that you need to be renewed. You need to put it away this year. It needs to go away. Well, don't just say, God, I want to be cured of my sin this year. You have to call it out by name and call it out by name out loud and to somebody else. In fact, James says that when we confess our sins one to another and pray for each other, we can be healed. Do you need to pray more? What needs to change for you to pray more? Do you have a lifestyle that fills up all your time and you need to make some changes in your priorities? If you need to pray more, then what time are you going to pray more every day? What, what time are you going to devote to that? Where are you going to give it? Where's it going to fit in your schedule? David says, I recognize my rebellion and what needs to change. And then in verse 16 and 17, he says how he can change it. 
He says, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. He doesn't just bring the problem. He brings the solution to it. True repentance, a broken heart. So that's what David is bringing as an offering to move him forward towards complete renewal. What are you renewing and how can you change it? Number three, build from where you are. Build from what you have. I think that there are a lot of us in here today in need of renewal. Some of us are starting at the beginning, but some of us just need to keep going in the right direction. David continues his prayer in verse 10. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Or renew a steadfast spirit within me. Or renew a loyal spirit within me. I want to pay careful attention to David's choice of words here. David believed that after his sin, his heart needed to be remade from the ground up. Because it, it had been broken so deeply. And maybe that's the space that you're in as you start a new year. Maybe for any number of reasons, you need a fresh beginning. And if that's you, start at the beginning. Learn the very basics of spiritual growth. Honestly, get into practicing the way because we're going to give you basics from the ground up that you can take home and learn and utilize one at a time until you understand how to live the way of Jesus. Start to read the Bible. Uh, the first part of the year is a great time to start a Bible reading plan. I do one every year called Bible in One Year. It's the Bible in One Year app, and in it you can read the Bible in one year. And it begins January 1st, but you can jump in right now on January 8th. Start reading the Bible. Pray every day for 21 days. The point is, from the beginning of whatever you, wherever you are is where you need to begin. Find the beginning of whatever you need renewed and start there. David says, renew a steadfast spirit within me. So he says, create in me a clean heart. Start from the beginning on my heart, but renew this steadfast spirit within me. And there's a difference between create and renew. Create means the old needs to pass away so that the new can come. Renew means restore what is already there. The dictionary says renew is to resume after an interruption. There had been an interruption in David's spirit caused by his complacency and continued by his sin. There had been an interruption that needed to be renewed and restored. Maybe you need to restore and continue the work you already started. Maybe you made a lot of progress last year and you're not who you were just a couple weeks ago, a couple years ago. And if that's you, that's amazing. Now keep going. Wherever you are, keep going from there. Here's why this matters. When we get frustrated by a stall in our progress, a lot of times we tend to get up, give up and start all over again. But that's not going to help us get where we're going. Sometimes progress is slow. Sometimes things take a very long time. We live in this instant society, but we know, even if we don't want to admit it, that almost every good thing in life doesn't come instantly. There are stalls. There are times where things move quickly and there are times where they seem like they've stopped altogether. We have to keep going in the right direction. Paul says, not that I've already obtained this, the, the spiritual health that we're talking about, or that I'm already perfect, 
but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We keep moving ahead. Maybe you've got to start at the beginning because the beginning's where you are. That's okay. Start at the beginning. We're here to help. Your church is here to help you. But maybe you just need to press on towards what lies ahead, towards the goal. Maybe you've stalled and you've stopped and you've been complacent for a moment and you've been still. And maybe it's just time to get moving again, to start moving. Let 21 days of prayer and fasting be the, the, the motor that gets you moving again this year. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Build from what you have. Number four, let the Holy Spirit work. If you want to have a different year, a better year, if you want to continue the streak from last year, if you want to renew you in 2023, the Holy Spirit has to be a part of this process. He has to be a part of this process. You cannot undervalue the role of the Holy Spirit in the renewal that you are looking for. David knew that. Verse 11, he says, Do not banish me from your presence. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. If David was going to be the king, going to be the man he once was and knew he could be again, he knew that the Holy Spirit had to be a big part of that. We need the Holy Spirit's power in order to be renewed this year. The Holy Spirit reveals God's scripture to us and reveals his will to us. John 14, 26, Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance the things that I've said to you. The Holy Spirit helps us live like Jesus, become like Jesus, think like Jesus, act like Jesus. If you want to be renewed this year, I guarantee that living like Jesus is a part of that. In fact, uh, one of my favorite books is a book by Dallas Willard called The Spirit of the Disciplines. And I recommend it. It's an incredible book, but you should know it's an extremely difficult book to read. It takes me a long time to get through one reading of it. But anyways, in that book, Willard uh, gives this idea for us to swallow and absorb and understand about what the Holy Spirit can do for us when we are living out his spiritual disciplines. Anybody in here ever have a WWJD bracelet? Where are my WWJD bracelet people at? Yes. Some of you got them on right now. You're still working that thing. Or you got it put away somewhere. You got it in a drawer at home just in case you need to be reminded. Well, the WWJD bracelet, if you weren't in the 90s at all as a Christian, let me tell you, we wore these. And the idea was this. Every time I'm about to make a decision, uh, I'm going to look down at my wrist and I'm going to see WWJD and it's going to make me ask, what would Jesus do? And I'm going to make that decision the way Jesus would have made it. And it's a great idea. It's a great to be reminded to think like, act like, pursue the way of Jesus. It's a great way to be reminded. However, I think what you'll find is, and the reason that none of you are wearing this bracelet this morning, is this very difficult in the thousands of decisions that you have to make every single day to constantly have to pursue this question, what would Jesus do? What is better is to instead just live the way that Jesus lived so that you are already making the decisions he would have made. The spirit of the disciplines that Willard presents in this book is this idea that if we want to know the Holy Spirit better, 
that we have to pursue these spiritual practices, these spiritual disciplines, that if we practice the way of Jesus in all the ways that we're going to teach this year in practicing the way, as we go through it, we are going to naturally become more and more in tune with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's going to grow inside of us. We're going to know him more. We're going to think like him more. You'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you will have a decision in front of you. And it will be easy for you, instead of having to look at your bracelet and say, what would Jesus do? It will be easy for you to start to make the decisions that he would make. The Holy Spirit helps us by teaching us things and bringing to remembrance the things that Jesus has said to us. That's the spirit of learning these disciplines. Uh, in Romans 8, 26, it says the spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us in groanings too deep for words. The Holy Spirit is the, the entire uh, bringer of the intimacy of God. If you want to have intimacy with God, the Holy Spirit is the way that you get there. He produces in us these qualities of Jesus, qualities we want to see in ourselves as we work to be better people. Galatians 5.22, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. This is what happens the more that you convene with the Holy Spirit, the more you get to know him, the more you invite him into your life, you produce these things inside of you. And so you are naturally being renewed. The point, what I'm trying to help you understand is that if you want to be renewed, no matter what area of your life you feel like you need renewal in, the closer you get to the Holy Spirit, the closer you will get to that goal. That is why we're doing this Practicing the Way course throughout this year. We want you to finish this year with a greater understanding and a greater presence of the Spirit in your life than you've ever had before so that you are renewed day by day so that every time you come before him in prayer, those prayers come easy to you instead of difficult so that you can feel connected to his dreams for your life and you can see them begin to come into reality. So sign up for Practicing the Way, you guys. That's my commercial. Now in a couple weeks, I'm going to talk about the renewing of your spirit. And in that message, I'll give an overview of what all this is going to look like throughout this year and uh, how these disciplines are going to help. Uh, because I just don't think that 30 minutes on a Sunday is enough time. And that's why we're doing all of this. We want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the last thing is this, and this is a big one. If you want to be renewed this year, you have to live renewed. You have to live renewed. David goes on. In verse 12, he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. And then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. If you want to be renewed in a way that is lasting and see lasting change in your life, don't just allow God to change you. Allow God to use you to change others. Here's the reality. Many of us will receive the salvation and the renewal that Jesus offers. We'll receive his gospel message We'll, we'll hear that no matter who we are and where we've been, 
that we can be forgiven and have relationship with our maker, that we can be made new. Oh man, what a, what a hope we have in Jesus. What a truth for us to understand. And we'll receive it and we'll be grateful for it. And then we'll just go on. We'll show up to church every week, maybe get on the team and, and that'll be it. It'll be ours. It'll be our information to hold inside of us. Except that's never, ever what we see in scripture. In fact, that's never okay in scripture. In fact, that ideal is condemned in scripture. Let me tell you why. Because the salvation that Jesus offers you is free. It does not, it does not something that you have to earn or work for. It's not something that you have to, you have to try and get a checklist done so that you can receive it. He gives it to you freely. But he always asks that you would come and follow him and do what he does. And that is why David's prayer here is so important. You know, there's a lot of kings that make mistakes like David in, in First and Second Kings. It's Second Samuel is going to end. It's going to go into kings. And the story is going to go on of all these kings of Israel. And we see there's a lot of them in there. Some of them are good. Some of them do a couple good things. But a lot of them have moments of complacency like David, where they were a great king and then they fell. But for all these other kings, say for maybe one, nothing really happened next. Either that was it and they were removed from the throne and a new king came. Or there's one case where the king has a great run, makes a big mistake, and then it's just kind of silent about his life for the next 40 years that he's king. But with David, it's different. See, David, in the next parts of 2 Samuel, he's going to live in these consequences of what he said. He's going to fight some wars. It's going to be really hard. He's going to lose a son. It's going to be really hard for him. But on the other side of that, he comes back into doing great things. It's chronicled right here in 2 Samuel. You can read it. He's got his character back. He's got what the anointing that he had in his life again. He's being blessed. He's seeing God use him. He's not done with him yet. And the difference, I believe, is that David didn't just say, forgive me, God, so that I can receive your forgiveness. He said, forgive me, God, so that I can go and teach your ways to rebels. I'll go find the people who are just like me, God, who've done what I've done, and I will tell them what you did in me so that you can do it in them. In Isaiah chapter 61, the mission statement for the Messiah and ultimately the mission statement for the church is given. So my, you'll, I read this a lot and it's because I think it's one of the most important passages in all of scripture. Jesus reads it in Luke 4 in his hometown and declares that it's about him. And then as he gives his ministry over to his disciples and into his bride, the church, it becomes our mission statement. And it says this, he has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives would be released and prisoners would be freed. And he has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor is come and with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. And to all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. And in their righteousness, they would be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Maybe you need renewal today because you have a broken heart and it needs to be placed back together. Jesus can heal you of that broken heart. He can do it. Or maybe you need to be renewed today because you are captive by your sin. There's something crept into your heart and into your life and you are in chains of it. And there's only one 
who can open that door for you and break those chains. And his name is Jesus. Maybe that's the stuff. Maybe you need to see your, your mourning turned into joy. Maybe you need to see festive praise instead of despair. Maybe this morning you, you need a crown of beauty where there's only ashes. And he provides all of those things for you. And then it says that he sets you up as an oak of righteousness, meaning something to be displayed and seen. Not so that people can say, wow, look at this guy, he really cleaned himself up. But what does it say? For the glory of the Lord. That people might see what God's done in you so that God might receive glory. And then look what it says. They would rebuild the ancient ruins. Repairing cities. See, in the beginning, it's talking about all the stuff that Jesus will do. It, he, he says, I will bind up the brokenhearted. I will set the captives. It's all the things Jesus is going to do. But then it takes a turn. Because he's going to take all those captives and all those brokenhearted and all those who were mourning and all those who were in despair and he's going to heal them. And then he says he's going to make them oaks of righteousness that everyone could see what God has done. And then it says, they will rebuild the ancient cities long devastated. It says that they would revive them even though they were deserted for many generations. Do you want to be renewed today? Because if God says yes and you receive renewal, you have to understand there is, there absolutely is an expectation attached. And the expectation is just simple. It's not hard. You've made it, we make it feel so hard to do this. No one's more equipped to do this than you. You've just been through it. David says, I've just gone through this moment and now I will teach your ways to those who are rebelling just like me because no one knows better than me what it's like. And the expectation for you if you are renewed by God is that you would go and help renew others. That you would do exactly what it is the church has always done. It is the reason 2,000 years later there is still a church after all the persecution, after all the pursuit after the enemies over and over and over again attacks to try and stop what God is doing, why does it keep going forward? Why? Because people like David, who said, I've been renewed and now I will renew others. Because of the mission statement of the church, your broken heart has been bound. So now you have to go and rebuild the ancient cities long devastated. Renewal leads to renewal. If he renews you and, and helps you manage your time better this year and then give your time to serving others. If he renews you from your sin, find others who are wrapped in the same sin and help them be renewed. If he binds up your broken heart, then you have a duty to find the brokenhearted and help them be bound. Serve as you've been served. What you've been through yesterday uniquely equips you to understand and serve those who are going through it today. I believe God's not finished with you and your story. I believe this year he has renewal in mind for you. I believe that his story and his kingdom will advance this year. And I believe you, you were meant to be a part of that. And so I'm excited about all that God is going to do in this year. I'm so honored that we get to do it together. If you're in here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and you don't just read renewal, you need rebirth. 
in every area that that verse mentions. You just want to be whole. All you have to do today is say yes to the gift that's been offered. There's more to come. There is a journey that comes next. But it just starts with this one simple commitment that we do in prayer. And if you want to make it today, every head bowed, every eye closed, just pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for all my mistakes. Forgive me for trying to do this on my own. I need you, God. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe in what you've done for me and I receive your sacrifice. Use me. Everything that I am from today forward, I am yours. Use me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.